T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Home and home. It was only three minutes, but it was the most exciting three minutes of the NBA season. Did you see it? Zion Williamson made his debut for the Pelicans. We'll break it down. Is there anything else in professional sports or even in life to compare it to? And Eli Manning calling it a career. He's earned more than anyone in the history of the game. Got the two rings, two Super Bowl MVPs. Is he a Hall of Famer? He is a 500 quarterback at the end of the day. A lot to get to, including the awkward embrace of gambling by the NFL. Is it is it now becoming a full-on make-out session, or are they, they holding back a little bit? It's a Thursday home-and-home, home, a Radio.com Sports Original. We're brought to you by Zip Recruiter. Check them out, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. I'm Dave Briggs. I'm home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker, he is home in Pennsylvania. And Nick Costos, home as well. We'll... Dive into the Vegas story. The Vegas NFL draft, Arash Markazi, broke down that fascinating stage. And Kendrick Perkins joins us late in the program on Zion. Nick Costos, sporting your Eli Manning jersey this morning. This must be an emotional day for you and your Eli jersey. Um, it was kind of emotional a little bit last night. I don't really care as much about I'm 36. I don't. I haven't cared about sports as much in the last, like, I don't know, like, it's been a while since I've really like really gotten invested the way I used to. But um, after you better you bet last night, I did watch the entirety of the 2011 America's Game, which is like the NFL film stories of each Super Bowl champion, which are like I highly recommend if you're an NFL fan, even if it's not a, a, your favorite team. They're all exceptional. I watched that. I I I know the 2007 one by heart. I watched it a million times. So I was watching all the Eli Manning highlights last night. I was kind of getting a little emotional because it. it it doesn't affect me now the way the same way that it used to, but like it brought me back to a time when it affected me greatly. And like that was my coolest time as a sports fan was the when when the Giants were winning with Eli Manning. That's my best memories as a sports fan. And I really love it. And I don't feel like that anymore, but like I love the fact that I did feel like that at one point and I got the gratification that I wanted. Do you miss that, Nick? Like do do you wish you still got that gratification? Do you wish you still could have those emotions from sports? You know, it's a great question, right? It's a double-edged sword. I guess the answer is no, because I feel like I'm like, I know too much now. And like, Russ, you and I used to work together at NFL Radio, right, on Sirius XM, and it's like you, like when you learn about different organizations and like different teams and players in those organizations, like the Eagles, for instance, are a world-class organization. Like, I loved everyone that I dealt with in the Eagles organization, from Andy Reid to the PR staff, Howie Roseman, great dude. So, like, it becomes hard to root against teams, right? So, I'll never get that part of it back. But there are parts of me that I do kind of miss, like, the thrill on an NFL Sunday of living and dying with the Giants. Now, like, it would legitimately, like, ruin my week when they would lose, like, a heartbreaking game. So, like, I cared way too much about it. Like, when they lost to Seattle in 2006 – um, when Feely missed those three field goals in Seattle and then SNL did the parody of him the following week, I was actually like in tears. Like I was 23 years old and I was in tears like on the deck outside my, my parents' house on Long Island. And my sister came out and looked at me and she's three years younger than me. And she was like, you have to grow up at some point. And I remember sitting, standing there like with tears in my eyes and thinking, she's right. Like it's time. I do kind of miss it though. I do. <laughs> you know, it's funny. And I, I get... I mean, I don't, I'm not that into any team, you know, like I don't care that much about any team, but the team I care the most about is my high school. Like I, I want Princeton to win. I'm bummed when they lose, but I'm not like, I, I'm not devastated. Uh, you know, same thing, NFL, nobody really. I mean, it's more like just tied into my jobs and compensation and my lifestyle and I would say on some level, I do miss that. You know, I was on the sideline Sunday. You guys will appreciate this. And uh, I caught, you know, John Lynch and I caught each other's eye. And he said, what's up? And there was like three minutes left, right? And the Niners were going to win the game. 
And I went over and I shook his hand. I said, congratulations, man. He said, thanks. I said, enjoy it. And being on that sideline with Shanahan's wife and Shanahan's mom, who I know a little bit, and then going out on that field and being inside the rope where it was really just the players, coaches, some family members, executives, but that's it. Like they are crazy tight about who gets in, in the rope and seeing the joy and those guys hugging. And it was so cool to be in there and also made me miss really caring one way or the other made me miss having a vested interest in the outcome of the game. I mean, the closest I have is my high school because I support them a little bit financially and help out some of the kids with recruiting, but that's it. Like I, I do miss that. I I do miss that. Like, you know, life is about experiences and those are the highest highs and the lowest lows. And you don't get that if you don't care. Yeah, I, I too miss caring. I'm actually wearing my Duke basketball shirt this morning. Um, that that was the last time I truly, to Nick Costo's point, I would get really upset prior to the one and done era taking over college basketball. I'd get really upset when Duke would have an early exit in the Which NCAA was the worst tournament. One? Uh, definitely when they were the two seed and got upset by the 15 seed. Lehigh. I remember. Yeah, I remember just being done, just, yeah, shutting down for the day. Because that, I mean, they've had a couple of stinging upsets in the NCAA tournament in the last 10 or so years, but that one stung the worst. Uh, But to you, Nick, and and that jersey, you say, uh, I I think every jersey kind of has a story. And that one, I think, is, what, a couple of decades old. Yeah, I got this jersey literally, literally six days after Eli was drafted. So Eli gets drafted um, on a Saturday in April. I want to say it was like April 24th, 2004. Don't quote. I actually, like, I'm usually really good with the dates on shit like this. It was something like that, though. I ordered the jersey the next day. So, like, that Sunday, I ordered, like, knew he was going to wear number 10. That was his number at Ole Miss. They confirmed it. I think, like, even, like, put put a number 10 jersey up at the press conference with Ernie Acorsi and Tom Coughlin. So ordered the jersey. Now, I was living at Fordham at the time. Um, I was my junior year of college. And the jersey arrived at my parents' house at Long Island the following Saturday. So six days later, it arrived at Long Island. Now, he is kind of a you know, nerdy kid. Didn't have a lot going on. <laughs> my parents parents knew how important it was to me. So, And I give them a ton of credit for this. My parents were great. God rest my dad's soul. Big Giants fan. My mom loved the Giants, still loves the Giants to this day. They took the Giants jersey drove it up from Long Island to the Bronx. I probably sat in like an hour and a half of traffic on the Frost Bronx Expressway, delivered me the jersey bright and early in the morning, maybe like late morning. And I had the jersey Saturday, spring weekend, my junior year for one of the biggest parties on campus of the year. And, you know, I guess it's not really that cool. But like at the moment, I felt like I was the coolest person in the world. People come, is that an Eli Manning jersey? I was like, you're goddamn right it is. And uh, what a great day that was. And this jersey has been every, like to every stadium I went to, this jersey has been with me. Um, it, I You can see like this is the old, like this is a Reebok jersey, right? So that's how old this is. It's got the old NFL patch on it. It's peeling off. The number's peeling off. This jersey is literally almost 16 years old, purchased in April of 2004. So, Nick, I feel like we might have talked about this before, but what year were you at Fordham? Uh, two th- my first semester was actually, I hate to bring this up, but like I, it's what I always remember, it was 9-11, so September 2001, and I graduated April 2005. Okay, so when Eli was drafted, it was like your junior year. That's right. Okay, did you, so at Fordham, like on a big party weekend, as a junior in college, wearing an Eli Manning jersey, like that yes. was a cool thing? Yeah. Yeah, not 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 a cool thing, Ross. The coolest thing. The okay. number one so coolest ask, thing so that I could do. So let me ask you this. So, 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 Briggs, do you have any jerseys? I have jerseys because they were used as props on television shows. Uh, I, I don't have a jersey that I've actually – Worn for non-television purposes, no. Well, he's like 50, so I mean, why would he have a jersey? <laughs> what do you mean? I, I said he's like, 50, he's, like, he, he's like 50 years old. He's like 15 years older than me, so why would he have a jersey? You're 36, and you have a shitload of jerseys. I don't have, a, I have one jersey. No, you're 50. I got one jersey. 
You have purchased. I used, I used to have a jerseys. lot. Yeah, when I was younger, I had a shit ton of Giants jerseys. Absolutely, that was like my wardrobe was all New York sports shit. It was Giants, Yankees, Knicks to a lesser extent Rangers. But I walked around like a fucking billboard for New York sports. Pathetic. <laughs> so you got a problem with that, Ross? Um, I just I think it's interesting. I I so my like hardcore fandom for teams stopped when I was maybe 14, 15. Like when I started playing high school sports, I still followed the Eagles and Penn State and the Sixers or whatever. But I I guess it just my stuff, my playing career took precedence. That's obviously not the case for you, Nick. I'm curious about you, Briggs. Like, when you were 17, were Long you still ago. as diehard of a fan when you were 10? Or when you were 21 at Colorado Boulder, were you still like a diehard? Definitely a diehard all the way through college. And after college, I became a sportscaster. And like Nick now with gambling and being his profession, that's when the passion as a fan began to die. And I'm always envious of those fans. And the good thing is when I've gone back to being a news politics uh, professional, then I got the fandom back, but now I'm back in this. So yeah, look, being a professional in this industry takes away your fandom. And in particular, gambling, I think while it's probably the most exciting thing happening in sports, it's the most uh, growth potential in all of sports, it definitely robs you of the passion you have for teams because you have to see it in terms of dollars and cents. So, yeah, my passion died right about the time I finished up college and then started working in sports. Um, Yeah, you know, but I, I never, I can't remember ever purchasing and wearing voluntarily a jersey, but I think Nick looks fantastic in that one Ross uh, fuck yeah, all fuck right you, so here's man. my question here's my question for you guys I did a poll question yesterday uh that we have retweeted at Ross Tucker NFL Dave retweeted it at Dave Briggs TV and our channel our show is at RDC home and home I'm going to ask you guys your answer first and I quote Eli Manning is one of the few players I can think of that people claim is both overrated and underappreciated, depending on who you talk to. So which one is it? And you could vote for overrated, underappreciated, or neither. I want to get your reaction first, and then I want to get your guesses as to the poll results. So Nick, out of those three choices, which one would you pick? Overrated, underappreciated, neither. I'm guessing that, Ross, you and I are on the same page here. Because, like, you can call me a homer for this answer, but it's not a homer answer. He's obviously underappreciated. Like, there's I, – I don't even think it's a it's a question. Like, and that's not me being – I know I'm wearing a jersey here for effect, but, like, that's not me being a fanboy. He's underappreciated. Like, over – like, everyone – all – this guy gets killed by everybody. He's not overrated. I think he's probably properly rated. Like, he was a pretty good regular season quarterback who, like, who shined his brightest in the biggest moments. He's ridiculously underappreciated. Like, the narrative that pisses me off the most is when I'm like, oh, well, the defense won those Super Bowls. Well, it's like, okay, I watch the fucking games. I'm sorry. Like, I watched the guy's entire career. The defense was obviously was excellent in 2007 and 2011, but like to say the defense won the games minimizes everything Eli did on the way there. Like in 2007, it minimizes him going to Tampa after after Rondé and the Bucks and his brother Tiki had talked all that shit about him and beating the Bucks. It minimizes going on the road to 13 and three Dallas, the number one seed in the NFC, and now playing Tony Romo. It minimizes him going to Lambeau in the coldest game in NFL history and outplaying Brett Favre in Brett Favre's last game as a Packer, and then outplaying Tom Brady in Super Bowl 42, which by the way is a thing that happened regardless of what people want to say about the defense and then in 2011 going into Lambeau again and now playing Aaron Rodgers and the 15 and one Packers coming off a Super Bowl championship then going to San Francisco taking the beating of a lifetime from Justin Smith and the 49ers 58 pass attempts no turnovers got put on his ass a million times in that game kept getting up puts them in position to win the game and then out playing Tom Brady in another Super Bowl but people oh it's the defense Give me a fucking break. Watch the fucking games. This is what people it, it, you got all these fucking dumbass motherfucking sheep on fucking Twitter that just follow what like one or two people say and build a narrative around it that don't actually watch the fucking games. I watch the fucking games. Eli Manning might not be his brother Peyton, but he's definitely underappreciated for his career. I don't even think it's a question. 
I think it is a question. I think it is a question because I think Eli's a Hall of Famer. I think he gets into the Hall of Fame, but the fact that he's 117 and 117 in his career and he was never among the best quarterbacks in the league, you would never, I can't even remember a time where you would say Eli Manning is top five in the game right now. He's going to get into the Hall of Fame maybe I'd have to look back at the other stats uh, that year, but he's going to get into the hall of fame 500 record. I don't think he's, I think I would say neither Ross. I would say he's not overrated. He's not underappreciated. He's neither because a guy with that record that was never maybe one year was in the top five is going to get to the hall of fame. It's impossible to say that guy is underappreciated. But he gets no credit for what he did. But he gets no credit for it. Like, Everyone always makes it. It's always someone. It's always. It was the defense. It was Mario Manningham made a catch or David Tyree caught the ball on his helmet. It's no one ever gives credit to Eli Manning for those two Super Bowls. And I'm not saying it was solely him. I think there's a strong case to be made. Justin Tuck should have been the MVP of Super Bowl 42. But like no one ever gives Eli the credit. It's always something else. It's never Eli Manning. It's never Eli. All right. So what do you guys think? If you had to guess right now, Briggs, I'll let you go first on this one. I've seen the results. Okay, you've seen the results, so you're yeah. out. Nick, have you seen the results? It's up. Ob- no, but it's obviously people vote overrated because people are fucking haters. Like, there's no. Like, I would bet a lot of money on it, if, right? If you had to, if you had to guess on the percentage for each, what would it be? Oh, it's it, listen. People are fucking idiots. Post this. We want to post. People are fucking idiots. You're fucking sheep on social media. You march to the beat of someone else's drum. I'm sure the vast majority of people voted overrated. And you can go fuck yourselves because you don't know what you're talking about and you didn't watch the games. So keep on going with your bullshit fucking narratives that it was the defense that won the Super Bowls. I actually watched the games. I actually watched them be played. And I know it's not the case. So tell me what the percentage, what was it, 80% said overrated? What was it? Overrated is 34.2%. Underappreciated is 33.6%. Neither is 32.3%. Almost exactly a third, a third, a third. I would tell you, uh, I voted for it, and I and I went underappreciated. I think he's underappreciated. I, I think, I think from 2007 to 2011 when people talked about him as like a top five quarterback, I think he was probably a little overrated because he wasn't a top five quarterback. He had just played really well in those two postseasons. And 2008, he was actually really good too, to Costos' point. But I I think for a while, if I had to vote on this poll, it would be overrated. But the last three or four years, People have shit on him so much. They just shit on him and shit on him over and over to the point where he is now underappreciated. 16 years, he never missed a game. 16 years in New York, he was basically Derek Jeter in terms of no controversy, always handling everything and everyone with class, even when he was benched twice, always handled it flawlessly. He wasn't as good of his, as his brother. He wasn't a top five quarterback for almost his entire career, but he won two Super Bowls. Like not many guys, Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees can't even get back to a second one. Eli not only went to two, he won them both against Brady. He is underappreciated at this point. Hell yeah. Well, let's look at the end though. Okay. You can't ignore the end. Okay. He was nine and 26 in the end, Nick. The team sucks and he's not very good. I totally agree. So, but but what if he retired two years ago, Dave? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I, I just think people have taken the last two years of the team sucking the front office is awful. The coaches have been heinous and he hasn't played well. And they've extrapolated that over all 16 years when it's really just been the last two or three. And can I throw this out there, Dave? Dave, real quick here. Yeah. I, yeah. I want to say this. I don't want to hear anyone or see anyone that likes to talk about quarterback wins with the Z not being a stat 
than throw out 117-117 for Eli Manning. Because you have all these, the media elite in the NFL, these self-righteous, sanctimonious sons of bitches who will say that quarterback wins are not a stat, but then all of a sudden, 117 and 117 for Eli is all you hear. You don't get to cherry pick that shit. I don't want to fucking hear the quarterback wins thing from the people that talk about it not being a stat. If you say quarterback wins is not a stat, then I don't want to hear 117 and 117 for Eli Manning. I am not one of those. I do believe quarterback wins is a stat. And when you're nine and 26 and you can't tell me it would make him look better if he retired two years ago, because then you got to measure him against his peers, the guys he came into the league with notably big Ben and Phillip rivers. So I don't know that that would have helped him to okay, retire three about? years before those it, other of two. Course it, of course it would have. What are you, what are you talking about? He's been fucking terrible the last couple of years. Of course it would have helped him. Well, would have helped that career record, but then you would have said, boy, look at the guys he came into the league with, had three more years, and Ben Roethlisberger might have another elite year left in him. But look, the debate will go on and on. Uh, we mentioned the Yankees. Who'd you rather have a beer with, Nick? Eli or Derek Jeter, who falls one short, one vote short of unanimous in the Hall of Fame? Man, I'm the Baseball Hall of Fame. I'm much, I'm a lifelong Yankee fan. I'm much more offended that Bonds and Clemens aren't in, by the way, than Jeter didn't go in you know, unanimously. I don't care at all about that. I'm, I'm a Giants guy. I would have I would have traded every single Yankees World Series that I saw from uh, in 1996, 98, 99, 2000 for the one Giant Super Bowl in 2007, and not even thought twice about it. And I would have I would I would have traded literally every single championship that I had seen in my life to that point and then would potentially see again just for 2007. Like that was the pinnacle for me as a sports fan was, was Super Bowl 42. So it's Eli. It's not even close. I'm always been, the giants have always been my favorite team. Eli's my favorite athlete of all time. Like Jeter's awesome. One four champion, one five championships with my Yankees four in that, in that initial era here, but it's not even close for me. The giants are my favorite team. It's and let me, and let me just say this. Okay. And let me just say this. I don't picture Jeter having a beer. Okay. Like in my mind, in my mind, I'd be there with Eli playing beer pong or flip cup like he was on that video with Daniel Jones, like he did at Ole Miss with the frat boys. I picture Jeter, and maybe I'm wrong, I picture Jeter on a couch in oh, the yeah. VIP room drinking a martini and and going like this with his martini, having his pinky up as he sips his martini. I don't know. There's just I don't pick Jeter doesn't look to me, and maybe I'm totally wrong. But he doesn't look to me like he'd be that fun to hang out with unless he's letting you hook up with the, the, the girl he doesn't want. Unless no he's doubt. like, uh, yeah. hey, you. No, not you. You. No, you come too for Ross. Then then, then maybe I'd hang out with Jeter. But other than that, I'd rather hang out with Eli Manning. I, I kind of don't like Jeter. I, I kind of don't like him, and I'm a Yankee fan. Whoa. whoa. Why not? Whoa. whoa. Buried the lead. I, I just think he's a tremendous phony. A tremendous phony. Like, I actually kind of, and this is going to sound ridiculous, I kind of prefer A-Rod only because I feel like A-Rod was kind of forced to kind of like expose himself to the world because he got found out and everything and kind of had to go through all the shit that he had to go through. Like, Jeter won the, won the team. I know that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's kind of how I feel, though. Jeter won five championships, all-time great Yankee, obviously deserves to go into the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. I kind of feel like he was a phony. That's my, my personal opinion. And the Yankees, like, I love the Yankees, but, like, I never love the Yankees the way I love the Giants. So, like, it's, it's like, people on the Giants, for me, get carte blanche forever if, if you win a championship Hold for the Giants. Second. I don't, I don't feel that way. Why is he a phony, though? Like, so we just discussed how he's kind of like, how Eli's kind of like the Jeter of the Giants in terms of how they handle the media and themselves and not getting in trouble. So why is Jeter a phony, but Eli's not? Like, Eli's well, I, not like that in real life. Like, well, we just want to do the best we can. Like, he, that's not how he is in real life. So he's a phony well, too then. But do you get the sense that Eli is like, maybe he's not like, he's not like in his personal life, I hope not giving like, like athlete cliches. Like his wife's like, how are we doing today? And, and she, he's like, oh, we're going to take it one step at a time. We're going to have the will to win. Or I hope that's not happening. But like, don't you get the sense that like, that's, that's who Eli is. Like the person that he puts out there is like pr probably pretty much who he is. Jeter, I always felt like was to his credit. It's not a criticism, heavily manicured politicking at all times, very careful about what he said and how he said it. I, I it always just kind of that part of it kind of always rubbed me the wrong way. I kind of felt okay, like, but, 
Yeah, I, I I never felt like I knew who the real Derek Jeter was, and I feel like it's pretty obvious who the real Eli Manning is. It, it's the word I phony fair. I can't quite figure out. I mean, I, I would rather have a beer with Eli any day over Derek Jeter because of Ross's characterization. Yeah, I feel like it would be an uncomfortable situation. I feel like Eli would be a real genuine conversation, but implying someone's a phony means they're hiding something else. Who is the real Derek Jeter then in your estimation? Like if you're phony, then you're being something you're not. So what is he? Uh, the fuck do I know? I just, what, what do you think? Do you think he's huh. kind of being man? Do you think he's kind of manicured when you see him up there talking to the media? Like with like the lens that he's gone to, to hide his personal life, like whatever, like cool. God bless him. Like he's that's, that's part of Derek Jeter lore. So, like, I can't, like, kill him for that, but, like, I personally mm. just always felt like we don't really know who the real Derek Jeter is, and I feel like he did that by design, and I feel like some people can look at that and credit him for it. I will personally look at it and say, I feel like I don't—I never got it. Like, Paul O'Neill, if you remember Paul O'Neill, there's the right fielder on those Yankees teams. Like, his father died either the day of or the day before they clinched in 1999 when they won the World Series against the Braves. And when they won that World Series, I remember watching with my dad, and they all over, like, surrounded O'Neal, and O'Neal was kind of crying in the middle of the circle when they won the World Series. Like, Paul O'Neill's a guy that wore his emotions on his sleeve. Like, we loved Paul O'Neill. would go into the dugout and beat the shit out of the water cooler. I I always liked that because I we always knew kind of who Paul O'Neill was. Jeter is a great player. I'm not crit I don't mean to criticize. I just felt like, I don't know who the real Derek Jeter is. I don't have a sense of who the real Derek Jeter is, and that always kind of turned me off. That's just me, though. I am definitely in the vast minority of Yankee fans who feel like that. Vast. That's an interesting characterization. Uh, I know we're kind of running short on time with you. I want to talk a little bit about the NFL's embrace of your profession, which is, of course, gambling. And it's really in the spotlight this week because not only the Las Vegas Raiders became an official thing yesterday, but the day prior, uh, the NFL unveiled the photo of the next NFL draft where the stage will be out on the Bellagio uh, fountains and they will shuttle players out to this red carpet stage via pontoon boat. A couple of questions here. Is it corny or is it cool? And and is that awkward embrace of gambling, is it now becoming a full-on makeout session or are they still keeping gambling at arm's length? Because it's it's been a weird dance for a couple of years, but now with the Vegas Raiders and this draft and all they're going through, the pomp and circumstance, is it finally official are, are we embracing gambling the way the league ought to? The NFL's got no game right now. They're going out on dates, but they ain't getting laid. And maybe that's by design. So they may be like dating gambling, but they ain't fucking yet. Not yet. Um, and I think the the thing about the, the Vegas setup is, yeah, it's corny, but I think that's the point. Like, I actually, I think it's kind of awesome. I think it's going to be a fucking spectacle. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Like, is it is it corny? Of course. But I think that's the point. Like, it's Good. corny by design. I actually think it's it's somewhat brilliant. I think it's really cheesy. The fucking pontoon boats out to point, a fake though. island and then back. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Nothing says Vegas like a fucking pontoon boat. Like that that is just a weird image for me in Las Vegas. I mean they should the come out of the champagne room at treasures with Coke on their nose. Yeah. They should, yes, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or they should come out like like you do in a boxing match, right? Or a UFC fight. Like make that kind of entrance. That's more Vegas to me. There's nothing Vegas about a pontoon boat, but all that being said, I do want to be there. I absolutely want to be in Vegas for that draft. Um, so do they, when do they full on fuck in your estimation and why the hesitation? Why this awkward dance? Um, well, I think they're probably, I, I, it's corporate shit. I don't know. If I, you know I, I would think it'll probably be by next season, but if it's not by next season, it'll definitely be by 2021. And there's no doubt about it because there's too much money to be made. So maybe they don't get it together for this coming year. I actually think they will get it together for this coming year. Maybe not fully, fully. Like maybe they'll get maybe they'll get the third base by twenty by week one twenty. What does that mean, Nick? What like like explain what that looks like or means? Well, I think like they've what they're showing is that like they they keep like dipping the toe into the water without like jumping in full bore. So I think like maybe like the toe is in right now or like the foot's in right now. Maybe by like. 2020, like week one, 2020, later this year, like the thigh will be in. And then maybe by 2021, they'll be like neck deep in it. 
So I, I don't I, know I, what I, that I, means I, though. What what and like you're you're using a, an analogy. Like, what does that mean? Is that like they're totally able to bet in every stadium? Is it you can have in in live in game betting? Like, what does it mean? I think that that's probably what are like like shit like that in the stadiums, et cetera, and like a full like onboard like partnership with one of these mm. with one of these entities, which like yes. they haven't done full bore yet, but I feel like is coming. And I don't know if it's going to be this year, 2020. I think it probably will be. Um, maybe in terms of like the kiosks and shit at the stadiums, maybe that won't be this year. But like we're not that far off from it because again, like we got to remember like the NFL is a business, right? Like it's their, their job to make money. This is a major revenue driver. So like they almost have no choice here over the course of the next couple of years to get this shit, get this shit fully ramped up. So I don't know if it's going to be this year, yeah. but it's coming. It's coming. I agree with you. I, I think Vegas will be the interesting question. Are there kiosks? Are, are there places you can make bets there in the stadium? And there's going to have to be. And I think the other thing that needs to happen is some sort of uh, – Fred Gadelli from NBC has said on record that they're not allowed to really mention gambling in national telecasts. And I think that time has come that – we can start talking about gambling and national telecasts. I've always been surprised that the pre and post game shows don't more embrace at least fantasy, which has represented the biggest area of growth for the NFL in the last several years, at least start bringing it into the mainstream television audience, talk fantasy, talk fantasy performers, talk over unders. Uh, but again, you're, you're running out of time. So where, where's all the early action on this Super Bowl? I'm seeing 84% like of bets. Uh, oh, you got 10 minutes. Okay, so I'm seeing Bro, 84% for, for you of guys, bets. I do anything for, for us. you guys. You got it, yeah. So everybody's putting money on the over here. That is the most popular bet and might might be the most popular playoff bet since 2003. Is there any early action you like on Niners Chiefs? Um, so here's where I'm at personally with Niners Chiefs, and then I'll give you the real important stuff, which is what the actual experts say. Um, I mean, I can give you like all this shit as like an expert, but like as far as my picks are concerned, like, hey, you know. Um, so I have a future on the Chiefs at eight to one. So I'm sitting pretty right now in this game. And I think what I'm going to do is slightly is hedge with the 49ers to a degree and guarantee myself a victory here. So like, I'm going to win money on the Super Bowl no matter what. I put my Chiefs future in at the end of November at eight to one. So I'm looking good right now. So I'm, I'm going to win money on the Super Bowl personally. That's that's where I'm at right now with, with the game. As far as where like the action is right now, everyone right now is on Kansas City. So everyone that we've had on You Better You Bet this week, is on the Kansas City Chiefs. We yet to have one expert come on and say that they are on the San Francisco 49ers. And Dave, to your point, there's been a ton of money come in on this over. Like, huge bets have come in on the over, driving it up from 51.5 to where it currently sits at 44. Uh, 54. So we had, um, last night, on um, Wednesday night on You Better You Bet, we had Dave Sharapin on, odds maker at CG Technology, one of our favorite guests on the show. Dave said he thinks that this number will peak at 55, which is a massive mm. total. Actually, it's lower than the Rams-Patriots total last year, which was somehow unbelievably 57 and a half, and the final score is 14 to three. Um, so if this hits 55, which I expect it will, that's when I think you'll see some resistance come in, and people will point to the defense of the 49ers as being the reason why. So I don't anticipate that number getting up past 55. So if you like the under, wait for it to hit 55, and then you can take a piece of it there. Um, what Dave also said is that they are expecting books, not just his book, but books in general, are expecting big bets to come in on the 49ers at some point in the near future. Up until this point, it has basically been all Kansas City money. The Niners money is waiting, and the Niners money is coming. And it's my anticipation, though, that the Chiefs will close as a favorite in this game because that's where the public money is going to go. I don't think that the game result is necessarily going to be like this game I'm about to reference, but the Seahawks-Broncos Super Bowl, when the Seahawks killed them 43-8, to that was like a similar matchup of offense versus defense, the sexy quarterback on one side, the great offense on one side against the great defense on the other, even though I would argue the Seahawks defense, the Legion of Boom, was better than this Niners defense. And the Broncos closed at like minus two and a half, and that's where the public support was in that game. I think you will see similar public support, more so for offense and more so for Mahomes, um, on this game for Kansas City. So I think that more money will be on Kansas City, but that sharp money on San Francisco is going to come in, and it's going to come in in a major way, I think, in the near future. Interesting. Yeah. What about uh, other advice you have for people, Nick, whether it's prop bets they definitely should be on or prop bets they definitely should be off, as well as the timing of betting on the Super Bowl? I think that the timing, Ross, is the most important thing. And we had Bill Krakenberger on the show last night, professional gambler. You saw him on the Showtime series action, and he's like a winning pro sports better. He's got great betting theory. And I want to share something he said, and it's not like 
I, I want to give him credit, but it's like, I think it's a, it's kind of an obvious take, but like he came on our show and he said it. So I want to credit him for it. It's, it, it's definitely really smart. And it's something that you know, I, I, I've been saying for years and other people have been saying, so this is what you have to do when it comes to props. You have to think about how people are going to bet on the Super Bowl. Super Bowl's got so much action, so much handle. So, like, people that don't normally bet on an NFL Sunday are going to be betting on the Super Bowl because everyone's got action on Super Bowl Sunday. So what you want to do, you, the person watching this, you want to bet overs early and unders late. Why? Because everyone wants to bet over on shit. Like, last year was a winner for sports books in turn, like, big time on the Super Bowl because nothing happened in the game. It's 14 to three New England. Like everyone went under and people want to bet over. Like that's people's natural reactions. You want to bet over. You want to see yards. You want to see catches. You want to see touchdowns. You want to see points. So you want to get, if you like the over on something, you want to get it in early. If you like the under on stuff, you want to wait until late. So let's say that you want to take, you know, you want to do something with Patrick Mahomes. Let's say you think Patrick Mahomes is going to throw for 350 yards in the game. I think his over-under is around 297 right now. Like, you want to bet that now. You want to bet the over now because you know that people are going to be betting on the Patrick Mahomes passing yards. And you're going to get a worse number if you wait up until around kickoff. So you want to bet that early. But if you want to bet the under on Patrick Mahomes passing yards, like if you think the Niners defense is going to shut down the Chiefs offense to a degree, like the Seahawks defense did to the Broncos offense, then you want to wait right until kickoff and you because that number is going to go up and you'll be able to get the best of that number. So overs early with props and unders late when Mm. it comes to a lot of these receptions, when it comes to a lot of these yardage props. That's interesting. I like that. You know, I don't have a great feel for this game yet. Uh, I really don't. I think it's going to be an awesome game. I think it's going to be, uh, I, I guess I still like the over because I could still see it being 38-35, 35-31, something like that. So I guess I still, if I have any lean right now, the lean would be to the over and I'd probably lean to the Niners because I just feel like as great as Mahomes is, man, the way the Niners are running the football right now, the way they're playing defense, I just think that there's a pretty good track record of those teams carrying on that success into the Super Bowl. Can I can I ask this question, Dave, quickly to Ross? Because I'm fascinated. Absolutely. Like, from like, okay, we were talking about this last night on You Better You Bet. Do you think I I know that I guess they could right because Mahomes is so unbelievable and Andy Reid's a great offensive coach and they've got the weapons. I I I understand it. I feel like we've seen this movie before, and I'm going to keep referencing that Broncos-Seahawks game because it's the one that I think is the closest to this. Uh, I don't know if they're only going to score eight points. I don't know if that's going to be the case, but, like, are the are the Chiefs really going to score? Th- you said 38-35, and I'm not saying that can't happen. Are the Chiefs really going to score 35 points against this 49ers defense? And if, if a scenario unfolds like it did in the divisional rounds or the championship game, and they go down, let's say it's not 24 points like it was to the Texans. Let's say it's 17-7. Are, can they come back against the San Francisco team? Like, I guess they could from 10 points, but like, I, I just, I, I feel like people are really kind of sleeping on how good this Niners defense is right now. I don't know if the Chiefs can score 35 points in this game. Understood I what I would say. Well, uh, uh, sorry, Dave, I was just going to say, well, no, understood, I, Nick. What, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to ask you both, how do you look past mid-December Atlanta putting up 29 points on this same San Francisco team? That's the game I can't get over. Well, I think shit happens over the course of a season. I think you kind of got – I personally throw stuff like that out because, like, every every team that wins a, wins a championship, except for, you know, the 2007 Patriots, loses a bullshit game some at one point or another. That happens. Right. Saints well, put up 46 the week prior. And they scored 48. Right. My, my point is Kansas City putting up 35 plus points to Ross's point seems like uh, very feasible to me. But go on, Ross. Well, yeah, I was just going to say, uh, number one, in, in terms of being down 10, I mean, they were down 10 twice again to the Titans, came back and won easily again. So that's two weeks in a row that they did that. And also, I, I think the Niners defense, you know, Aaron Rodgers, they scored 20 points in the second half of that game. And you can say, oh, they had a big lead, but... 20 points is 20 points, and the Chiefs are much more explosive than the Packers are. And I, I think Mahomes is that good. And I don't think the secondary for the Niners is is great. I'm not sure the Niners' defense is quite as good as you think it is, Nick. You know, if they don't have that fumbled quarterback center exchange, 
or if Rodgers doesn't throw that pick to Allison, I think the game ends up actually being pretty competitive. Where do you rank them, Ross, this Niners defense, to like compared to like other like, because I feel like it's a great point by you. And like, are people going to overrate the Niners defense leading up to the game? Because you're going to hear a lot of these comparisons, defense versus offense. Like, are they as good as like some of the great defenses that we've seen recently in the Super Bowl? Or do they fall a little short? I think they fall a little short. I, I don't think they're great on the back end. Although Mosley replacing Witherspoon has been a huge positive for them. I don't think that they're as dominant on the back end. I think that you can throw the ball against them if you're getting the ball out quick and if you have a guy like Patrick Mahomes and the speed that they have. I I do think there's going to be a bunch of scoring. I don't think the Chiefs are going to be able to slow down the Niners running the ball all that well. And I think that the Chiefs are going to be able to move it pretty effectively. But, you know, you mentioned that, that what the total was for last year's Rams-Patriots game, so who knows? All right. Well, I, I just look at that three-game stretch. They give up 106 points. It's a fair point. You know, it's not – I mean, it's it's three great teams. It's New Orleans, Atlanta, and then the Rams. The Rams got 31 on them, and that was in December. It's not like we're talking week four, five, and six. Yeah, uh, but, but they before got we go, Ford back. Yeah. They got Quan Alexander back. I mean, they, they, they've gotten they, – they figured out Witherspoon sucks. I mean, they've gotten they've gotten better, like a lot better at three positions there. All right. So if they're if they're going to score 35 points, they're going to win the game. Kansas City. Okay, I agree there, and I and I think they do score 30. Yeah, I, I think a 35-32 type game. I, I I'd still touch that over at 54. Uh, before okay. you go, I I know we're uh, keeping you for a long time today. Um, one of the greatest over unders we've ever heard is uh, on an upcoming boxing match. Uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder. WBC heavyweight champ. I have never heard anything close to this in my life, and I got to get you to weigh in. Tyson Fury is prepping for this fight in a very unique way, Costos. Listen to what he said about how he's keeping the testosterone level high for this massive boxing match. What are some of the other things that you're doing to prepare for this fight? I'm um, masturbating seven times a day. Seven times. Seven times. Keep me testosterone pumping. Pumping, 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 pump it up. Don't you know? <laughs> that's a lot. Yeah, listen. Gotta keep, I've gotta, gotta keep active and uh, testosterone flowing for this fight. Castos, is that even possible? Seven times oh, yeah. a day? I've done six before. Yeah, absolutely. Really? When, oh, yeah. when, when, when was that? I mean, probably like in like my like earlier years, but like, dude, I, I could, I could knock out four or five even now still. I mean, I don't cause like who has the time, who has the energy wow. for that? But yeah, right. easy. <laughs> wow. Easy. But like when I was younger, like, like the wind would hit me a certain way and I would like, like nut in my pants. So like, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, I mean, that's it. I mean, look, don't tell me, don't front it. Cause like we did that. We actually yeah. talked about, I don't even know how this came up on you better. You bet last night, but like oh, Eli, our producer, Eli, our producer, like refused to get involved in the conversation. Cause he's a total prude, but like, for, like, don't tell me for you two. Like you yeah. have definitely, what's the most you've ever masturbated in a day? How many times I will set the over under for both of you at four and a half. Under definitely under definitely, definitely under. Yeah. yeah, no question. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm way under, man. Maybe I'm uh, maybe I'm tired. I mean, seven in a week old. would be amazing. I mean, a seven, seven in, in a week. A week. Oh no, not God. even. I mean, I mean, I would say that that's damn near my over under for a week. I I'm I'm feeling awfully down. I mean, uh, I, Ross, mean I, way, I live I live alone. I live alone. I I masturbate at least once a day, at least. Tucker. Any closing thoughts on this one? Ross probably uh, no. prob probably used to rape his dick with his hand when he was younger. I don't even want to hear anything to the contrary. Definitely over. Bet the house on the over four and a half for Ross. No, no, no. Honestly, on that, I got, I, I'm not uh, I'm not diving in this conversation too hard. But I would say <laughs> on your on yours, Nick, definitely under. Okay. Yeah, you're you're very uncomfortable with this conversation. That's why I like it. That's why I feel like it should probably keep going. I, 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 I say I would say there's I would say that there were days in my life that were two, maybe three, 
Uh, I don't think so, though. I think two. Yeah. Two. I'm going to be honest. Two two or three a day would be my all-time record. Yeah, no no doubt. You're the king, Costos. You're the man. I mean. Of something. We are. And by the way, by the way, I read that article in Men's Health, and it, it doesn't work. Like what he thinks he's doing, like keeping the testosterone flowing and whatever, that's not that's not a thing. Like he's lying, a, by, the, by the way. He was in WWE. Like he's he's being a showman. Like, and I think he's really good at it. Oh yeah. He he's not being honest about it. No one has the time nor the energy for seven well, times a day. But uh Nick Costos, you might. I just I wanna mean, I don't know. I just, no, I don't no, no, I don't. I just wanna I just wanna I just wanna go to bed. I don't. And I don't claim to have so, that energy. Our over-under on F-bombs for Costos today was 12 and a half. And uh, Millennials, I think he was over, correct? So I think I over, went Over-under, over, way over, says one of the Millennials, Jordan. I think we, we came in hard late. Excuse me for the uh, hard word. It was Eli <laughs> that really got the juices flowing. And, and, and you ended up with the over. So I made some money on you, your appearance this morning. Check him out. You better, you bet. Nick Costos, always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for the time. Hey, uh, Joey, do me a favor. Don't post the, f- I, I know like you like to post some of these videos. Don't post a video of me talking about jerking off. Thanks a lot, buddy. Really appreciate you. <laughs> do not post that to social and I'm not, and media. I'm, and, 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 and I'm not kidding, by the way. You'll get an angry text from me if that, if that gets posted. Thank you very much. All right, and he's out. Costos, pleasure. Good to see you, sir. Still coming up on the program again. Check him out. You better, you bet. Six o'clock to 10 o'clock. Radio.com app. Coming up on the program, more on that Vegas NFL draft style extravaganza, cheesy or cool, corny for me. Arash Markazi, LA Times, joining us. And Kendrick Perkins, former Boston Celtic. He was there for the debut of Zion Williamson, the most exciting three minutes I've seen all season in the NBA, maybe in years. What a debut for the New Orleans Pelicans rookie dominant. Arguably the greatest three minutes we've seen in the last, I don't know, five or ten years in this league. That's all still to come on the program, Ross. But first, do you realize that we just went almost 50 minutes with no commercials? Imagine people that listen or watch other shows. Imagine that. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You don't want to be sitting there listening to commercials. You want to hear Costos talking about jerking off. Uh, Anyway, that's my segue to ZipRecruiter, which sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards. But they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As the applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Up top, Lonzo. Stutter step back to Zion. Oh, my. Step back three. Left No. This is not happening. Welcome to the NBA, big brother. Pelicans Radio Network, ESPN 100.3, the debut of Zion Williamson. It was slow to get going, but it really exploded in the fourth quarter. The debut, the league, the fans, all of us were hoping for. It was spectacular. And then it was over in just three minutes, and he was on the bench. Kendrick Perkins, former Boston Celtic. He was there for ESPN, obviously a member of Scal and Pals. Joins us with some perspective on the Zion debut in just a bit. Also, Antonio Brown, an arrest warrant has been issued for AB. Talk about things that have unraveled fast. How will this story 
end. It's a Thursday home and home at radio.com sports original. We're brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. They are the smartest way to hire. Ratings in the NBA have been down this season. A lot of stories have been on the sideline. Of course, you had the injuries to the Golden State Warriors, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant for Brooklyn. He has been out. You've got LeBron James playing on the West Coast. You got Kawhi Leonard playing on the West Coast. Load management ratings have been suffering. Not last night. Zion made his long-awaited debut for the Pelicans, and it was a slow start. For those of you that may have tuned in early and turned off this game, boy, did you miss a show for the ages. Zion, fourth quarter, 17 straight points in a three-minute burst. They lost the game because Alvin Gentry, the Pelicans head coach, sticking to the doctor's medical program, took him out, sat him on the bench. They have a plan to increase his playing time over time. But boy, we got a glimpse at the future of the NBA. The hype was certainly worth it, at least for the time being. 22 points in 18 minutes. And the key is four for four from three-point range was Zion Williamson. Now he has more threes made in 18 minutes than Ben Simmons in almost three NBA seasons. Ross Tucker, did you see the Zion debut? Do you compare him to anything you've seen in basketball, in football, or even life? Uh, So I love Zion Williamson. Uh, He is already my favorite player in the NBA. And he's already the guy that I would make sure I watch more than any other. I know about Luka and Kawhi and LeBron, and I'm a Sixers fan, so I like Simmons. I like Joel Embiid. But right now, already, after one game, and this is the way it was when he was in college, for me, Zion Williamson is much CTV, is must-see TV. I don't really know why. You know, like, for me, I just think I love how big he is and how put together he is, and I love the dunks. Like, it was sweet that he made four straight threes, and I didn't really know that he had that in him. And because it was his debut and because they're playing off of him, it's exciting that he can make those threes. But that's not why I want to watch the dude. I I want to see him dunk. I want to see somebody try to block his shot and he breaks their wrist on the rim. I want to see the sheer power, strength, and athleticism. He had a couple cool cool, uh, rebounds that he showed that off a little bit. And the threes were great, but that's not that's not why I would be paying money to see him. I want to see him wreck the rim. Yeah, I, I have never you no, know, I've been a Zion fan for a while now. Obviously, being a Duke fan, didn't miss a game he played last season. I have been very excited to watch him play. It exceeded my expectation. I thought this would disappoint largely the fan base because I didn't think anyone could live up to this type of hype. Early in this game, you saw him kind of limbering down the court, moving slow, moving gingerly on the knee. Didn't look like a guy who was ready to commit to that massive frame and see what it can do. But then it certainly turned it loose. And I can't compare him to anything we've ever seen in NBA history. In terms of the body type, yeah, similar to Carl Malone or Charles Barkley, but his explosiveness... I don't think those guys could ever do the things that he can do. Now, those are Hall of Famers. This is not to say Zion will be a Hall of Famer, but in terms of things he can do explosively, there is nothing to compare it to in the history of this game because of the frame and the sheer explosiveness of this kid right now. So I'm is thinking, all right. Is he number one what- for you, Dave? Like me? Is he number one for you? I, there's nothing even close in terms of something I will turn on and and want to watch. There's not really an NBA game right now that that makes me watch. Now, Lakers Clippers, I would probably tune into just because I'm an NBA fan, but that's the only player to your point, even more than the Greek freak, even more than Giannis. Yes, number 1 in terms of making me get on the couch and turn on that television. My 12-year-old son, first thing he did, woke up, got on his phone and wanted to see Zion highlights. I don't know that it's enough to save the NBA and their ratings uh, 
downfall this season, but it certainly will give them the spark that they needed. I don't think the only things that came to mind were like a, a luxury SUV, like a Lamborghini or Porsche SUV that goes zero to 60 and three seconds, but is still huge. He's like the human embodiment of a T-Rex uh, going back to prehistoric times. So I, uh, look, I don't go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, I think um, I, I, the one thing I don't understand, and I, I know I'm picking on Ben Simmons, but Ben Simmons has two threes in two and a half years in the NBA. Zion Williamson never made four threes at Duke. Uh, he, in this short a time, maybe didn't perfect the three-point shot because it's largely a set shot right now. It's not a pure jumper. He literally is shooting almost a set shot. Um but I don't understand how a guy like Simmons can't perfect a three-point shot over two, three years, something Zion has apparently done in a couple of months. Yeah, so listen, Ben Simmons is still a terrific player, but it's pathetic to me that he can't make or shoot threes. I mean, I had 24 three-pointers my senior year of high school at 6'4", 250 pounds. Like, come on, dude. Really? You're a professional basketball player. That's what you do. You've been in the NBA for several years now. I don't get it, and I and I never will for Ben Simmons. I mean, I I, I don't understand that. I guess it's because he's never had to. But dude, now you kind of have to figure it out, work on it. So not a big fan of that. Um, it's weird, Dave. I wish Zion was still at Duke. I wish he was still a college basketball player. And I could watch, you know, Duke, Kentucky, Duke, UNC, and watch him in that environment because I like college crowds. I like the atmosphere of a college basketball game. And I like, like, I watched Duke because of him. I like to watch him. I, it's hard for me to get, like, the Pelicans. I mean, the Pelicans, bro. You know what I mean? Like, the New Orleans Pelicans. I mean, I, I'll watch because it's him, but I'm not fired up to watch like I would be if he was still at Duke. I mean, I if you told me Duke versus UNC Zion or Pelicans, I don't care, Spurs Zion, I, I'd rather see him in college still, selfishly. And also selfishly, Dave, I really think that we should enjoy him. Uh, you know, I'm not a doctor, but just him being the third heaviest guy in the NBA on his frame... 285, that many going up and down the court, the way how explosive he is, how he jumped. I just don't envision him having a long career. And maybe I'm wrong, and maybe he can, like Carl Malone or Charles Barkley. But, I mean, he's carrying a lot of weight, and he gets high off the floor and comes down. And I just don't think I, – I just wonder if his joints are really ready for that. Day in, day out, night in, night out, I should say, for years to come. It doesn't feel like it. It does feel like something that could flame out, but let's hope he's around for a while. And the excitement, a couple of games. I mean, he's got Denver on Friday. That's going to be outstanding. Boston on Sunday. So a real uh, stimulus package for the NBA. And you talk about the college basketball presence of Zion, and a lot of people, including me, hate the NCAA model where these players aren't able to profit from their name, image, or, image, or likeness and criticize the NCAA model. But on the flip side, look, would Zion Williamson be what he is without college basketball if he just went straight from high school to the NBA would it be this exciting would we have this type of hype no it is college basketball that allowed for Zion to have one of the biggest shoe contracts in NBA history his rookie year before he even stepped on the court and allowed the league to hype this type of arrival without that experience in college basketball, it would not be there. Um, it's going to be exciting to see how it goes. Um, that's what I was watching last night, but I have been watching the Aaron Hernandez documentary on Netflix, The Killer Inside. We had the producers on uh, from that program earlier on in the week. We're going to talk about that program ahead and also how it may or may not relate to what we're seeing in the case of Antonio Brown, the former Patriot, the former Raider, the former Pittsburgh Steeler. This story 
is getting very, very real, very sad, very quickly how these two stories connect after a quick break. But first, ZipRecruiter, our friends, the guys that send your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, and they don't stop there. They've got powerful matching technology. I don't know how they got it. They got it. And they scan thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. Hey, I'm still on camera doing this read, so you get to watch me read. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ziprecruiter.com slash enter. That's ziprecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Hi, everyone. This is Dave Briggs. Thanks for listening to the Home and Home Podcast. Remember, you can watch or listen live every day from 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. exclusively on the Radio.com app or at Radio.com slash home. Home and Home. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.